The 88th edition of the Four Corners podcast starts right now. Black holding high, goes to Darty. Darty and the double team, gives it back to Black with 20 seconds left to play. Goes back to Michael Jordan, jumper from out on the left, good! Rebounded by Weber. Michigan out of timeout. Weber front court, Carolina with foul. He takes the timeout, they're out of timeout. Technical foul, technical foul on Michigan. Ed Corbett says he can run the baseline, hands in the ball. Brown gets it into Williams. Here comes Williams front court. Williams on the drive. Gets it back out to him. Long outside shot. Short rebounded. May. It's over. Carolina has won the national championship. 89-72. And how about them Tar Heels? They are the national champions. Matthews off the mark. And this year, the confetti is going to fall for North Carolina. They're not going to be denied this time. Hello and welcome to another edition of the Four Corners Podcast. We are powered by Carolina E Electrical Services. Josh and Anthony back with you guys tonight. Shortly after Carolina went on the road at Clemson and earned a 79-77 win to improve their record to 17-7 overall. They are now 9-4 and in what's becoming a top-heavy and crowded ACC. Brady Manick hit a game-winning layup with 3.1 seconds left to give Carolina the two-point victory in a game that it wasn't pretty, but we told you going in it wasn't going to be pretty, and as much as Carolina tried to screw it up in the final five minutes or so, this team on the road found ways to make plays and win a game that they had to win to keep their NCAA tournament hopes alive. I think that's the best way to look at it. Um, I, I definitely think they earned the win because this was a team that at one point in this game um, was shooting about as bad as they had all season and came back to shoot 50% from the field. So it, it was a rock fight. There's no doubt about that. Um, but, you know, I think at this point, this is kind of what you should expect going forward the rest of the year for Carolina on the road. Um, you know, I, I don't think it's going to be that way at home. I think there are some people that are concerned and probably rightfully so um, with how bad Carolina looked against Duke on Saturday. But I think at home against some of these lesser opponents, they should still be able uh, to have some of these games where they look really, really good and give you hope. Um, but I think on the road, this is just kind of what it is. Um, you know, we knew Clemson coming in was was going to give them trouble from behind the arc because that was one of the better three-point shooting teams in the country, and they definitely did. They, as well, you know, after struggling, especially late in that first half, uh, they did a good job in that second half of knocking down the shots that were there for them. Um, and Carolina, you know, I think at times looked a, a little, you know, slow-footed on defense, but that's just something that I, I think you got to deal with with this team. I don't think it was a lack of effort. I, I thought the effort all around tonight was was pretty solid. And uh, look, they they dealt with some some circumstances that probably earlier in the year they don't win that game. Uh, you know, if Armando Baycott ends up fouling out in some of those games earlier in the season, there's no way Carolina hangs on and wins. So, um, you know, they had a couple of guys that stepped up when they needed to, made tough shots. 
And uh, you got to give them credit for that. They're, you know, 17 and seven. And, and, and what do we ask them to do, you know, after, you know, we, we turn the page from the Duke game and, and we started talking about this game and the rest of the season. We said, look, you've got to win the games that you are supposed to win. Well, they did that tonight. And at this point, I mean, I, I know it's probably something that a lot of people don't want to hear, probably including you, because it's cliche. But, hey, at this point, a win is a win is a win at this point. Well, they they needed a win tonight because a loss tonight would have put them out of the, out of the tournament and make it really hard to win them win them win their way back into the field. And that's just the fact of the matter. And they they showed a mental resolve on the road that they needed to have. They showed a level of toughness and fight that they needed to have. Um, you got some flagrant fouls where they were committing hard fouls. You got a technical foul with R.J. Davis. And I know, you know, we're not supposed to applaud that. But I think that type of emotion this team needs, and they need to play with it. Um, and Hubert Davis, as much as I complained about him being, you know, unenthusiastic on Saturday, was highly animated tonight. And I think Carolina, it, it's really hard to say that they, they took a step forward after what they did on Saturday, but they they showed some things tonight that they haven't shown even in the win at Louisville and, and some other wins this season. And we knew going in that this game was going to mean a lot more to Clemson in terms of the scope of their season because a win over North Carolina would salvage what's been a lost year. Uh, they'll have to wait until Thursday night to get one of those now against Duke. But Carolina, I thought, even though they didn't they didn't start fast, kind of like at Louisville, they stayed the course and they found a way to get the job done. And and that's that's what this team's got to do. It's not about you know how they win as much as they win. And right now, this team needs to win games in any form or fashion. And they did that tonight. Let's take a look at the box score and Carolina shot 50% from the field. That was after, as you mentioned, shooting under 25% at one point in the first half, they rebounded to shoot 29 of 58 from the floor. They held Clemson to just 44%. Uh, They were 25 of 57. Carolina was just 33% from behind the three-point line, 8 of 24. But they got some big ones in the final minutes by both Leaky Black and Caleb Love. Clemson, as we knew, entering the game, one of the better three-point shooting teams in the ACC. They played. They were. They lived up to that. They were 8 of 19, 42%. Carolina was 13 of 17 from the foul line. That was for 76%. Led by Armando Baycott going 8 of 10. Clemson was 19 of 21. The thing about this was that in the first half, the teams combined to shoot six free throws. And then in the second half, it became a foul fest. And, you know, it was had Carolina lost the game, we weren't going to come on here and complain about officiating because we're not about that. But something definitely changed in that second half where the game got called tighter. And I thought both teams did about as well as they could adjusting to that. 
but also they were put in a tough spot because it felt like in the first half they were letting both teams both teams beat and bang. And I thought Carolina really responded to that physicality. But in the second half, that was all taken away. What did you take away from the officiating, mainly in the second half of tonight's game? I, I mean, look, I didn't think it was all that bad. And now part of that is probably that we're judging off of some of the other games that we've seen from the ACC officials over the past couple of years. And, and, and even just if you go back and look at some of the games from this season, some of the ones that Carolina has played in. So, um, yeah, it was it was interesting, as you mentioned, because one of the things with basketball that I think is kind of similar to what you see in baseball, you always talk about in baseball, pitchers trying to sort of identify a strike zone with an umpire, figure out where the calls are at. This game, yeah, in the first half, you were saying, okay, well, this is going to be a physical game. Um, you know, we're, we're going to be able to go up and contest shots rather easily. And, hey, look, we're, we're going to be able to get away with some stuff. Um, that, you know, with some other officiate, officiating crews, we maybe wouldn't be able to get away with. So we, we're preparing for a more physical game. But you're right. In the second half, that mindset basically just completely changed from the officiating crew. And all of a sudden, you had to kind of adjust your game. I mean, there was a stretch where I think it was three or four possessions in a row down the court for both teams. They went to the free throw line. So it, it was just... It was amazing how quickly things shifted. I mean, I, I think it was the first, like, five minutes of the game there were no foul calls. So, it, I mean, you're talking about night and day. Um, but, I, I, yeah, I think, honestly, both sides, I think, did a really good job of adjusting. But especially, you know, we're looking at it from the Carolina side of things. I thought Carolina did a good job of adjusting because I thought – you know, as they saw late in that first half, they were getting some good opportunities inside. And once they saw that they could drive in there and get the foul calls as well, I thought they became a lot more aggressive driving the basket. And I think that helped Carolina. Uh, you could see that, you know, you were getting Clemson's defense, you know, out uh, of whack a little bit by driving the lane. I, I think that created a lot of great opportunities for you late. Um, and it led to the biggest basket of the game on the Brady Manic shot to win it. So, yeah, I, I definitely thought that was a factor in this game, but I thought Carolina did a really good job of adjusting. And, look, you've got to give credit to both the players on the floor and the coaching staff for being able to make those adjustments. One thing we would have pointed out, Carolina lost the game, would have been turnovers. They committed 13 of them tonight, but seven in the first 13 minutes of the game, and then they only committed six after that. Clemson only converted those 13 turnovers, though, into nine points. Meanwhile, Carolina forced 11 Clemson turnovers and converted those into 15 points. Um, Carolina out rebounded Clemson 35 to 27. No surprise there. 26 to 21 on the defensive boards, nine to six on the offensive rebounds. Armando Baycock led the team with 10 rebounds as he recorded his 18th double double on the season. That is second most in all of college basketball. Carolina had the eight to six advantage in second chance points. Clemson's bench did outscore Carolina's bench 22 to seven. Carolina got the best of them in the paint 30 to 28. They outscored Clemson nine to three in the fast break. Clemson had five blocks compared to Carolina's three. They had eight steals compared to Carolina's three. But Carolina 
17 assists on 29 made baskets. Clemson, 14 assists on their 25 made baskets. There were 10 times the game was changed, uh, or, or 10 times the game was tied. 11 times the lead changed. Clemson led for 19 minutes. Carolina led for 16 minutes, but ultimately got the win as they put all five starters in double-figure scoring. That's the second time in three games that's happened. They also did so back in the win at Louisville just a week ago. Let's move on now to our quote of the game. And we go to Hubert Davis, who said in the post game on the Tar Heel Sports Network that there were times that things didn't go our way, and some of those were self-induced, the turnovers, bad shots, et cetera, et cetera. But our guys found a way to persevere. And I think I think we've both been very critical of Hubert Davis's upbeat nature at times this season, especially after losses and especially just recently this loss against Duke. But I really thought that that rang true where you look at the way the game started. Clemson jumped out to an eight nothing lead a couple weeks ago. You, this team would have quit. And then you look in the second half when Armando Baycott goes to the bench with the four fouls, fouls out, whatever. There were a lot of times that Carolina could have caved and they didn't do that tonight. They stayed the course. They fought the good fight. And they were ultimately able to gut out a win, a win that they'll be able to use when they go on the road again later in conference season. Let's move on now to our stat of the game. Um, I went field goal percentage simply because Carolina shot 50% after shooting below 25% at one point in the first half, comparing Clemson to just 44%. And I think... I think after Saturday, we were anxious to see how Carolina's offense was going to look. And the first 8 to 12 minutes, it didn't look all that good at all. But that second half, I really thought they got back to the basics, doing the things that they do well, um, which was putting the ball inside and then allowing their offense to extend out off of that. And that's a big reason why they shot 61% in the second half. They made 5 of 12 three-pointers. And defensively, Clemson, not a great shooting team outside of what they could do from beyond the three-point line. But I did feel like Carolina, I guess, competed a little bit more defensively than we have seen on the road. I thought there weren't as many defensive lapses as we've seen in, in, in past road games. And that was a really big part of them getting a win on the road tonight. So we're going to take a quick break. We're going to play you this week's ad from DraftKings. And when we come back, we'll give you more takeaways and thoughts from Carolina's 79-77 road win at Clemson. As if the McCrispy couldn't get any better, Bacon and Ranch just entered the chat. The Bacon Ranch McCrispy, available at participating McDonald's for a limited time. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. The moment we've been waiting for since September is finally here. In honor of the big game, DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of Super Bowl 56, is giving new customers 56 to 1 odds on either team. Bet just $5 and get 280 in free bets if your team wins. DraftKings is now live in New York, meaning you can bet from almost a third of the country. If Sportsbook isn't in your state yet, play DraftKings Daily Fantasy Football Contest for Super Bowl 56. 
New customers can get a free shot at a $1 million top prize with their first deposit. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use the promo code TBPN and get 56 to 1 odds on either team. Bet just $5 and get 280 in free bets if your team wins. That's promo code TBPN at DraftKings Sportsbook an official sports betting partner of Super Bowl 56. 21 or older, minimum age and and location requirements vary by jurisdiction. See DraftKings.com slash Sportsbook for full list of requirements and state-specific responsible gaming resources. Voidware prohibitive. If you have a gambling problem, call 1-800-GAMBLER in Tennessee. Call or text to Tennessee Redline 1-800-889-9789. In Connecticut, call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org slash chat. In New York, call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY-467-369. Really hope you guys are taking great advantage of all these great offers and preparation for Sunday's big game as Super Bowl 56 will commence in Los Angeles. To get back into the win over Clemson, and the first thing I got written down was back-to-back wild wins on the road for this group. You go back to last Tuesday at Louisville, game goes to overtime. You had stuff being thrown on the court, hostile environment. Carolina made play after play and found a way to win the game. And then tonight, not quite the hostile environment, but they made plays after another slow start. As I mentioned before the break, they were down eight to nothing, trailed at one point 19 to eight, came all the way back to take a five point lead going into halftime. Then when it looked like they were going to take control of the game in the middle part of the second half, Armando Baycott commits a silly foul, has to go sit on the bench. That allows Clemson to get right back in the game. But Carolina just kept fighting. They kept playing. And for a group that two or three weeks ago I came on here and said I could never pick them to go on the road and win a game this season, they've now got back-to-back wins on the road in different ways that could carry over as the season moves along. It's it's just an element that I think they're going to have to deal with going forward. Like I said earlier, I, I just don't see this being a team that is going to be able to blow teams out on the road. They haven't shown that really at any time this season. Um, you know, so at, at this point, you know, I think Carolina fans going in, yeah, you may feel like, look, we are so much better than this, you know, a certain team, but I think you just have to kind of realize that, hey, go, going in, you're probably going to be in for one of those back-and-forth affairs. Um, this was – I mean, that was the thing that, you know, was very noticeable against Louisville, especially in the second half. And then again tonight was that pretty much the second half was just Carolina having to match the opponent basket for basket. Um, and, you know, that I think, you know, they're going to play some opponents on the road that I think are going to – lend well to them being able to win the game. But, yeah, there's no opponents. A lot of the opponents that we'll talk about them facing on the road are going to be very similar to what we've talked about with both Louisville and Clemson and the fact that they are all scrappy teams that don't have great records, but they're going to fight. So Carolina's got to be prepared. And um, I think, you know, the more confidence that they can get, the better. 
matter because the game that we're going to all point to, I think at this point, is a game that right now is probably going to be a quad one opportunity and probably Carolina's only remaining chance to get a quad one win until they get to the ACC tournament, and that's at Virginia Tech. That's a place where Carolina has struggled at times. So, look, Carolina's right now probably still the better team than Virginia Tech. Virginia Tech is – Definitely not had the season that many probably expected, but you know these types of wins can help you. It's it's you know a hostile envi- environment. Um, Little John Coliseum was you know pretty loud tonight. I thought they did a really good job. I don't think it was uh, unlike any scene we have ever seen before. Like Mike Cousins, uh, who was calling the game for the ACC Network, described that may have been a little <laughs> bit of hyperbole, but. Um, it, it was still an environment that I think helps this team moving forward. And you can see that as the season goes along, they're starting to get more and more comfortable in these environments. It's not pretty, but you, you're starting to see that they are adjusting and making the plays when they need to. So that's the reason why I feel like you should – you know, feel confident about the fact that even though these last two games have been, you know, a little bit ugly, um, the, the fact that Carolina is getting it done should give you confidence that they can handle going on the road and playing these mediocre teams down the stretch. Big reason why they got another win on the road was the fact that Armando Baycott became the – or looked like the Armando Baycott we've seen for the majority of the season – he tied with Clemson's P.J. Hall. They both scored 24 points, which was uh, a, a game best. He was 8 of 10 from the field, 8 of 10 from the foul line, and, of course, grabbed 10 rebounds to record, as I mentioned earlier, his uh, second best in the country, 18th double-double on the season. And to start the game, it didn't look like Carolina was going to involve their best player early in their offense. and. It seemed like in the middle part of that first half, they realized, oh, hey, Clemson doesn't have a guy that can guard him. Let's give him the ball. And he did a really good job finishing at the basket, getting contact and getting to the foul line and making those foul shots. And um, after a, a subpar performance on Saturday where he had just 12 points and five rebounds against Duke, he bounced back in a major way tonight to lead Carolina um, to a victory. But he also could have had a much larger impact on the game, and this game may not have been as close. He committed a silly uh, flagrant foul, which really put him, the, which got upgraded to a flagrant foul, gave him four fouls, and put him on the bench with oh, with still a 10-11 minutes left to go in the ball game. And that was at a point in time where it felt like Carolina had taken control of the game and was ready to pull away and get a nice, comfortable win. And that allowed Clemson to hang around and stick in the game. And then, of course, he fouls out on a charge block call with just over a, with just over a minute left to go in the game. But a nice bounce-back performance for Carolina's best player. And at some point, it's got to click for this team. Their best offense starts and ends with Armando Baycott. Well, to be fair, I mean, I, I, I think that there have been times even, you know, when, when they've been kind of relying on their outside shooting here lately where they've tried to get the ball into Armando and he simply hasn't finished. And early on, in the night, it looked like it could be another one of those nights. He had a couple of 
you know, easy looks at the rim. And uh, one of them, he went to the free throw line, but he missed a couple of bunnies. And you were kind of wondering, man, is this is this going to continue for Armando? But once he really settled in, you started to see him take over. And I think you're right. I think they did a good job of realizing, look, you know, on the offensive end, Hall is up to the task. He's a guy that's going to give us trouble all night. But on the defensive end, this isn't a guy that can handle Armando Baycott down low. We need to go after him. And we knew that was going to be an element in this game, especially with Hunter Tyson out. They were going to lack size. So this should have been the game plan from the word go. I thought they did a good job. You know, early on, I thought they settled for way too many outside looks. But I thought in that second half, they really started to realize that, look, going inside with your guards and trying to find Armando Baycott the majority of the time was what was working best. And, yeah, you're right. In order for this team to get where they want to go, they need Armando Baycott to get back to being that ACC player of the year type of guy that he was, you know, for a majority of the early part of the conference season. You know, I'm not saying that he's been bad here as of recently, but he hasn't been that type of player that we saw from him early on um, that, that this team really needs. So we'll see. Is he able to build off of this performance going forward and, you know, finish down the stretch of the season the way that he was playing to start the conference season? That would be huge for Carolina. And I think he's more than capable of it. I think we're just going to have to kind of wait and see on that and see if those struggles at the rim uh, have started to dissipate a little bit. And I thought really what sort of energized him was that dunk to start the second half. I thought that was huge for him um, because, you know, that's something that we've been asking him to do here lately is, hey, finish, when, when you go to the rim, finish it with a dunk. Don't try to, you know, force up these layups all the time to draw fouls. Just finish it with a dunk. And I think that's, you know, the thing that you're hoping that uh, you're going to see more of here uh, over the next couple of weeks. One guy who didn't have a pretty box score, but Carolina doesn't win the game without, was Caleb Love. And there's no denying the criticism following his performance on Saturday, both on this podcast and every Tar Heel podcast out there. And rightfully so, because he didn't show up for the biggest game of the season. It was a big part as to why Carolina got beat. Needed him to respond tonight, and it wasn't pretty. Um, he scored 10 points on 4-12 shooting, was just 2-7 of seven from behind the three-point line, had two rebounds, four assists, and five turnovers. But in the final two to three minutes, he made a three-pointer. And then, of course, he handed off the assist to Brady Manick to score the game-winning layup to provide Carolina the victory. And I think this is just kind of, I guess, the Caleb Love experiment where he's going to play really, really good at times and Carolina's going to win. And then he's not going to play really, really good at times and Carolina's either going to lose or they're going to find a way to win. And that was the same thing at Louisville where he committed the turnover that allowed the game to go to overtime, but he came right back out of overtime and made a big three-point basket. And then tonight, the confidence – and Hubert Davis, I guess, will justify why he never takes him off the court. But as frustrating as it was to watch him play 
for 37 minutes on the court tonight, we can, we also can't deny or, or lessen the value he had on the court for this team in tonight's win over Clemson. No, you you gotta you gotta give him credit. I mean, look, yeah, we've been really critical of him, and you know, you got I I stick by that criticism. I don't think that this changes the fact that there are games where he just doesn't show up. He he doesn't seem to bring that effort. You need to get that more consistently from him. I thought tonight. You know, the effort was there. I don't think that this was one of those games where, you know, he, he, he didn't look like he was bringing it for 40 minutes. I, I thought he really did bring it for 40 minutes. I think the concern with him um, that is still, you know, something that we've got to monitor going forward is there's just times where he gets out of control. I mean, he had five more turnovers in this game tonight. That's still an issue for him. That was an issue overall tonight for Carolina, especially in that first half. But – when Carolina needed him to step up and make some plays, he did. And, you know, I, I, the, the three, you know, on, on the second to final possession of the game is going to be one that people are going to talk about. The pass at the end of Brady Manick is going to be one that people are going to talk about for sure. And, and those are tremendous plays. But even his three earlier in the, in the second half, I thought was huge. He made the big plays for Carolina when they needed him to. And that was, you know, kind of what we were, we were wanting him to do. Um, You know, even the other night against Duke, just to try to get this team going, he wasn't able to do that. And I think that was one of the big differences as to why the game got out of hand. But in this game, he really put the team on his back late, stepped up and made some plays for Carolina when I mean, let's be honest, their season was on the line. So that's the time when you need your point guard, a guy that you're looking to to be one of the leaders on your team to become that type of guy and and, and make those types of plays. So, yeah, the credit needs to be given to them tonight um, for making those shots. And, and again, it's, it's all about consistency with them moving forward. There are going to be some of these good moments. There are going to be some of those bad moments. It's about can he get to that spot of, of being a consistent factor for Carolina that is there night in and night out and can give them a consistent, you know, 15, 17 points a game. Because even tonight, you know, he steps up, makes those shots late. He had 10 points. You know, he he was non-existent, you know, for the majority of the first half of the game and, and early in the second half. So you need to see that sort of, you know, pick up as the season goes along. It can't be these, these games, these flashes in the pan, especially with most of them coming at home, if Carolina wants to be able to take it to the next level and become one of those teams that can – factor into this race down the stretch uh, for the ACC regular season title. The last thing we got to talk about from tonight's win is I don't know if Clemson or I don't know if Carolina beats Clemson without Leaky Black's offense. He scored 11 points. They were all in the second half, including all the first six points to start the second half and he's now up to shooting 50% from the field in ACC play. He made another three-pointer tonight and it was a big one that gave Carolina a four-point lead there in the final minutes of the game and I believe it's now the fourth out of the last five games he's made a three-point shot 
We all know the value he brings to this team on the defensive end of the court. He's the best defender on this team by a mile. But he's now starting to provide something on the offensive end. And the best part about it is is that he's not ever forcing it. He's taking the shots that are there for him to take. And he's he's also making the shots that we need him to make to make the game easier for Caleb Love, R.J. Davis, Armando Baycott, and those guys. And it's, it's, a, it's a really good thing because – that's kind of been the linchpin about having him in the starting lineup was, well, we know he can play really great defense, but on offense, you're playing four on five. We're not, I don't know if you're playing five on five offense now, but it's, it feels more like four and a half, four and three quarters on five because you do know that he is capable of scoring the ball. And um, I, I just think Carolina's offense is just different when he's engaged and when he's attacking, when he's not settling for him. Now tonight, he took four three-pointers. That's That number's a little bit too high, but for the most part, they were within the flow of the offense, and you felt a little bit more confident in him that he was going to make those shots. And I think that's something that, um, as much as I've said, I think the best version of this team involves a more engaged and more active Kerwin Walton. I also think it, it, it also in, requires a, a much more – the presence from Leaky Black on the offensive end, which in the last two to three weeks that has started to emerge for this team, and they desperately needed that to happen over that over this time. Yeah, you're you're right. Um, it's you know I, I think, and there was an argument that was going on between a couple of people on on social media tonight. One guy saying, um, you know, we need to trust Leaky Black a little bit more as a shooter. Um, I think really just kind of based on the comments that were made during the broadcast from um, from, from Debbie Antonelli about, you know, look, they're going to leave Leaky Black open, make him make some shots. And, you know, I, I would have I agreed with her probably two weeks ago, but I think that we've seen over these past couple of weeks, Leaky has, has stepped his game up and has really taken steps. And I saw one Tario fan that says, well, look, are, are we really feeling that confident off of what we've seen from him recently? There's, there's, you know, no way that this guy has struggled for this long and is finally taking steps forward. I don't actually believe that's happening. Well, look, there is a thing called growth. And I think you are seeing that for sure with Leaky Black right now. This is a guy that I think has clearly worked on his offensive game. And look, now there's some confidence to his game. That's the thing that I think has been lacking the most for him on the offensive end of the floor is the confidence shooting the ball. I don't think, you know, technically there really is anything wrong with this shot. It's just there hasn't been a lot of confidence because it hasn't been falling over the past couple of years. Now it is. And you can see the difference in this offense when Leaky Black starts to get involved. When Carolina went on their win streak, it was in large part because Leaky Black was reaching double digits scoring, or even if he wasn't getting to double digits, he was hitting a couple of important shots in each game. Tonight, same thing, gets to 11 points in this game, hit a couple of key shots for Carolina, and the fact that he is not that liability on the offensive end of the floor. I mean, look, there was a point right before he went on this streak where I called him out because, yeah, he went four or five games without scoring a point. He was a guy that was bringing absolutely nothing to Carolina on the offensive end of the floor. But he has definitely taken his game to another level. And the other thing is, is Nat, you're starting to see 
that the hustle from the defensive end of the floor is carrying over to the offensive end for him. There was a shot tonight where he took a three and bricked off the side of the rim, and he knew it immediately, charges down the rebound and finishes inside. So you're seeing that effort. That's one thing you can never really question with Leakey is the effort's always going to be there. It's more about just how talented he is. And you're now that the shot's starting to fall, you can see why – Carolina has still been playing him as often as they have. Um, and, and now I think you're right. For this offense, which is starting to hit some of those snags that you go through during the season for a team that was shooting so well out of the gate, having a guy like Leaky Black now getting into a bit of a shooting rhythm is definitely helping this team. Yeah, no, you're definitely right. And if, if Carolina wants to become a, a, a serious, legitimate team, in this conference, and look, that nine and four, they're right there in the thick of things. Um, with, with with a lessened rotation, with Anthony Harris done for the rest of the year, and you don't know if you're going to get Dawson Garcia back. You need every guy that's going to be on the court to be a, a a contributing factor, and it appears that Leaky Black is trending that way on the offensive end. What well, is going to wrap up this edition of the Four Corners Podcast? Before we let you go. You want to get your website, HeelToughBlog.com, where there'll be coverage of Clemson's win on the website as well. There'll be a recap article posted. Go and check that out. A little bit more in-depth analysis on the Tar Heels win in Little John Coliseum. As for the football side of things, um, we got weekly storylines. Go back, read about Sam Havel's time at the Senior Bowl. Ray Velasic is coming back for his super senior season. Anthony breaks down what that means for Carolina's defensive line. There will also be a recruiting article regarding the 2023 class that will be up on the site in the near future as well. So check out all that content as he's continuing to keep you up to date on the football side of things. As for the podcast, you know where to find us. We're on the heel to, or we're on the basketball podcasting network. We host through Megaphone. You can find us on every major podcasting platform. Just simply search the Four Corners podcast and we will show up. Like the pod, review the pod, but most importantly, do encourage you guys to hit that subscribe button. That way you don't miss any basketball podcast during the season. Well, that is going to wrap up this edition of the Four Corners Podcast. do want to thank Anthony for hosting with me. I do want to thank you guys for listening. And as always, go Tar Heels. The Four Corners Podcast is a proud member of the Basketball Podcast Network. Follow us on Twitter at HoopsPodNet or visit our website, www.thebasketballpodcastnetwork.com, to find the best basketball podcast.